Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Calvin Phillips became a legend at Leeds under Marcelo Bielsa and was pivotal in bringing his boyhood club back to the Premier League. But just 18 months after joining Manchester City for £45 million, he's heading on loan to West Ham. So how could he flourish under Bielsa, yet struggle under Guardiola? And is David Moyes the manager to revitalise his career in time for the Euros this summer? I'm Ayoake Molere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Here for Thursday's episode, we've got The Athletic's Manchester City writer Sam Lee, Leeds United writer Phil Hay and also our England correspondent Jack Pitt-Brook. Right, let's start with you, Sam. Look, 18 months into signing for Manchester City, £45 million. You know, I remember him signing, as, you know, after the mural was painted for him at Leeds United, club legend. And then, for some reason, doesn't seem to have worked out. Any thoughts why? Any thoughts why? I mean, the long and the short of it, and it's, it's all, I've always felt harsh writing and saying this for the last year or so, but he's not been good enough or has he, he's been a judge not good enough, which is a mad thing to say because you think about all the players in the Premier League, you think, okay, there's probably quite a lot who are obviously great players, but not right for City. But you think Calvin Phillips is a good player. You wouldn't have thought he'd be out of his depth. When he did sign, you talked about going back to then with the, the mural at Leeds. I remember thinking, okay, it might take 18 months like everyone else. He might not show his best straight away, but... I see no reason why he won't get there, but he hasn't. You know, I think Guardiola and the staff kind of made their minds up pretty early on that in terms of like January last year kind of time. The writing's been on the wall for about a year now. Uh, in terms of why, I think the City just actually got this one wrong. There were there was loads of reasons, and we can go into those why they signed him. England international played for Bielsa. The profile of the player he was, he wasn't coming into it to expect to play every minute, which is key for City in that position. But I think they thought, well, he's a good guy. He's played for Bielsa, so we can we can kind of reprogram him and get him to do what we need to do. And I think they had a look in training and quickly went, oh, I'm not sure about this. And then as it went on, he didn't really adjust to, to what they needed. And by that, I mean he's just a bit more direct than what they need for that position. He struggled a bit specifically with taking the ball off defenders, off the goalkeeper, which is a huge part of the holding midfielder's job. And again, look, if you sign for another team, 
with his quality, another top team, you know, another top six team, I don't think he'd have many problems. But with what Guardiola wants specifically, he just wasn't up to it. Yeah, Phil, I, I wonder, you know, in terms of his personality, this was the, the, the step up, right? We saw what he could do at, at Leeds, um, leader at that team, um, local hero, boyhood club, you know, but like anyone else, has faced adversity in his career as well. And nothing through what I've seen from the outside would have made me think Manchester City wouldn't work for him. Why do you think it didn't work for him, considering he was so influential in that Leeds squad? I'm with you. I did think it would be a, a good fit. Uh, and and he was certainly ready for it. I mean, in, in the summer where he left, Leeds had gone very close to relegation. And if truth be told, they've been lucky to get away with it. And the system that they were playing under Jesse Marsh didn't suit him anywhere near as well as the system used by Marcelo Bielsa. They didn't. Bielsa turned him from quite actually a generic cent- central midfielder into this really, really defined, ultra-important defensive mid, you know, holding point in front of the, the back four. It was massively influential in that team and, and was almost like the metronome in, in making it tick. I mean, strangely enough, Le- Leeds never had a player who was identical to Phillips. Phillips was the one in that role. In the way that I think, to, to a large extent, Rodri is the one in that role at Manchester City. And I think what Phillips has found at City, and, and Sam touched on this, I think he's he's absolutely right, is that it's not that Phillips isn't an elite midfielder or a you know very, very good Premier League midfielder, but at City, it has to be the best of the best. And I think partly he hasn't had many games because Rodri there is so good, but partly he hasn't had many games because he just isn't quite at that level. And, and I think what you'll probably find is that very quickly at West Ham, you'll start to see the strengths of Phillips. You'll start to see the, the difference that he makes. I think the way that he plays, the way he passes the ball, hitting runners who are very quick and, and go from deep and have space in behind them, he'll probably suit West Ham to a large extent. But I think what Sam said there, you know, about struggling to take the ball off the defence behind him and, and use it properly, says something about just how good City are, you know, how high the standards are under Guardiola, because that's what they did under Bielsa Leeds. And OK, a lot of that was in the Championship, but they thrived at it, he thrived at it, he was, he was excellent in that role. And it just seems to me that, that it has been a step too far. Jack, I mean, from an England perspective, I mean, talk about standards. I mean, this is an international football. It's been, been instrumental in the in the England squad. We say the standards at England aren't as good as the standards uh, under Pep Guardiola, for instance. I mean, this is a top of elite football. Yeah, I mean, it's worth remembering, isn't it, that he started all seven of England's games at Euro 2020, and that was only two and a half years ago. So he's clearly been a hugely important part of Gareth Southgate's team. I do think the level of Manchester City is much higher than than the level for England. The demands are different, of course, because Southgate's got a narrow pool of players to choose from. He can't he can't have the same expectations of the of the players that that Guardiola can. And what's been interesting to me is that even though Guardiola clearly doesn't rate Phillips especially highly, Southgate has been really really loyal to him over the last few years. You know, he's made he's he's in almost every England squad. So far this season, he started two games for Manchester City and two games for England. So despite the fact that he's been on the outside at at City, he's still been a part of the England setup, even if he has lost his starting eleven place. So it'll be really interesting to see what bearing his move to West Ham has on his prospects for the Euros in, in the summer. Sam, you, you alluded to sort of the rise of Rodri. I mean, pff, we talk about difference in quality. It, it's it's quite a stark difference. Not to say Calvin Phillips isn't a fantastic player. Of course, he's equipped in so many ways. But in terms of a development of a player... Pep Guardiola has someone like Rodri. You look at a player like that, you think, oh, goodness me, I can't leave him out of the squad. And then Calvin Phillips is going, how am I even going to break into this squad? You know, you've still got Bernardo Silva that can sit in that position as well. And they've got various other players that can sort of sit in that position as well. 
Well, the thing is, they haven't got anyone who's as good as, as Rodri now. When they had Gundogan, it wasn't so bad. Part of the reason they, they brought Phillips is because Phillips knew going in that, yeah, he wouldn't play that much. He was fine with that. And one of the reasons that City bought him was because they didn't want to sign somebody like Chouameni, for example, who went to Real Madrid. I think it was the same summer. He was on the market as well. But City didn't want to go for somebody who'd be like 80 million expecting to play. They wanted somebody of that Phillips mould who would think, okay, well, I'm not going to play every game, but I will go and I'll, I'll try. But the thing was, Rodri's going to play every game, but when there is rest needed, Guardiola would put somebody else in. And the comparison with Rodri is good because it shows that there's a quality level because Rodri's just brilliant. And like you say, Phillips is obviously very good as well. I agree with Phil. He'd be great at West Ham, I think. I agree with JPB. I think he'll continue to be good for England. If he has a good spell at West Ham, I'd see no reason why he won't start for England again in midfield in the summer. So no problems there. But you're talking about just a different level with Rodri. But also, it's just it's not just about quality, but about type. And I think where Guardiola thought they could maybe, or City thought they could maybe change him and adapt him in the same way that they've got a winger like Doku, who's got very brilliant talents, but not everything just fits into what City want. But they think, okay, well, we can take that, we can take that, we can mould it. I think they thought they could do that with Phillips, but they haven't been able to. And in terms of the type of midfielder he is, when we think about Phillips, and when we think about that Euros campaign, which is probably when most people have seen him, he's more box-to-box, isn't he? He's more all-action. City don't want that from a holding midfielder. And obviously they thought they could change him, but they haven't been able to. But that's kind of it. You know, he's been more, he's more of a direct player. He, he moves more than Rodri does. You know, Guardiola likes his holding midfielders to stay in their position and dictate the game around them, not, not move so much. And I think Phillips is that type of midfielder. And again, in terms of the writing being on the wall, Guardiola said October, and then he said it again around December. He said, when the game's a bit more chaotic, we can use Calvert. When does Guardiola ever want a chaotic game? He goes out of his way to make sure the games yeah, aren't chaotic. Yeah. That I mean, the nail was already in the coffin by that point, but that was like the last... I mean, can you put a cherry on top of like a coffin cake? I'm mixing my metaphors up, but you know what I mean? That was it. That was the final confirmation. It's like, you just don't see this guy in your team whatsoever. So it's partly because of the quality of Rodri, but partly just because of type. And that's why, again, going into a different team, like Phil said, finding runners, being a bit more direct, he'll be absolutely fine. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised in a month's time He'll be playing well for West Ham and people say, why did City let him go? But it was just, just not the right style fit as much as anything. I think one of the red flags was that it's, it's not as if every top elite player at City has played every week or, or been a regular in Guardiola's starting lineup. And Mahrez always struck me as somebody who Guardiola really rated and wanted to involve, but had other players he would rather play first. And it felt different with Phillips. It was that even when you kind of needed somebody in that position and Rodri wasn't available or injury problems or whatever else, Phillips never really felt like the go-to player, even though it should have been the answer there. And I think that over time, that started to tell you that it just just wasn't working and there was something about him or something about his style that wasn't suiting Guardiola. But Phillips has got quite an interesting background. He was a latecomer to the academy at Leeds. Most of the best players who've come through Leeds Academy, and there have been plenty, have been in it from primary school age, you know, so eight, nine, ten years old. Phillips arrived in his mid-teens. He was well into secondary school at that point. He was quite close to being released when he was an under-18. He was a very late developer. And even the season before um, Bielsa came in, he was being used, certainly in the first part of it, as more of an attacking mid. You know, somebody who was um, trying to get into the box, go beyond the last man, scored a, a decent number of goals. It was very different under Bielsa. Bielsa actually did use him as that defensive pivot in the midfield. But what you have to remember is that Leeds had masses of possession in the championship. They were very, very dominant. They played on the front foot and Phillips would often play around about the opposition box because of the way the game was set up. But he's quite new, generally speaking, to that role. You know, I know it's back in 2018 that Bielsa came in, but that's a short stint of a player's career. It's not as if 
Phillips has been moulded as a defensive mid from the age of nine um, or even from the age of 15, 16. He's gone through quite a lot of transitional periods. And as I say, I, I think there's an extremely good, high-quality Premier League player there. But I think we'll see him flourish far more at West Ham than, than he has at City. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. How much do you think of a cultural shock was it to go from Bielsa to Guardiola, uh, Sam, in in many respects? Because, you know, football-wise, and we're talking perhaps it's a quality difference, but football-wise, both love to control possession, right? So perhaps there's a little ingredient there that Guardiola's like, perhaps this could work for me. But for some reason, perhaps it's the character of the manager that just hasn't worked for the player. Well, I don't know. In terms of the character of the manager, I think it's pretty similar. I mean, Bielsa may even be more strict than Guardiola. You know, obviously, I think, one of the the big landmarks of Phillips's time at City that people will remember and obviously it hasn't really been on the pitch but off the pitch and that would be after the World Cup and coming back you know overweight but you know he had run-ins with Bielsa about that at Leeds and I think Bielsa was Guardiola is very strict about it but I think Bielsa is very like, heavy as well as the Spanish say even more so but in terms of the style of play I think it's probably the, the style of play rather than the approach of the manager, the characteristics of the manager, which was the biggest difference. Because although, yeah, obviously they, they cherish possession, Bielsa is far more chaotic, isn't he? Like the way that they would mark man-to-man. If you think about, look, I, I love Bielsa. I think he's fantastic. But um, if you think about his leads before he got sacked with the way that the man-to-man marking was being exploited, City did it. They scored seven at the Etihad. I think United may have got six. And Scott McTominay talked about it recently, how character said, look, if somebody makes a run and you run through the middle, you'll get it. And he scored after like a minute or something. Guardiola would never set his team up in a way that was that susceptible to to being ripped open. He's actually very conservative as a manager. And I think Bielsa's a a lot more, certainly by comparison, gung-ho. And again, I think that goes back to the style of the midfielder they wanted. I think they realised, or they noticed certain traits in Phillips and other characteristics, like him being English and not expecting to play too much and not being especially expensive. But they recognised certain traits in him and thought, okay, we can change that. But ultimately, they couldn't. But yeah, in terms of differences in the managers, I don't know. I, I think, you know, Guardiola is no, no more strict a taskmaster than, than Bielsa. But I, I think it's the style of play. You know, Guardiola doesn't want his holding midfielder running up the pitch and leaving space behind. That's actually the last thing he wants. Bielsa was incredibly strict. And I mean, the, the stories among many with him at Leeds were the fact that there were you know, weight checks for players every single morning. And I know it's not unusual at all for elite clubs to do that with footballers. But even during COVID, everybody was sent home with specific scales. Everybody had to send in at a certain time in the morning via WhatsApp 
their weight for the day. It was a daily thing of making sure that nobody deviated. And uh, there were points where Phillips and others did find that tough. I agree with Sam about the style. Bielsa would always say when we asked him about Guardiola, because Guardiola is always very deferential to Bielsa and talks highly of him because he's been influenced by him massively. But Bielsa always used to try and say, what he's doing is not exactly what I'm doing. You can't say that he's copying me. You can't say that his football is exactly the same as mine, and, and there are definite similarities, definite principles that, that they both adhered to. But Bielsa's football was far more open and, and far more aggressive. Um, you could almost say far more more attacking. It's not that City aren't attacking. They're very, very much in, on that level. Um, but they have the players to do it, whereas with Bielsa, it was almost irrespective of who he had and who was in his team. That was how they played. That was was what they did. Um, and I think, again, it just comes back to the, the fact that, that City, the level you need to be at, is absolutely top of the tree. You need to be the best set of players in the world. Um, and I think Phillips just falls short of that. Sam, I was really surprised when Phillips came back from the World Cup and Guardiola said... No, no, it's not easy. He arrived with the overweight. No, he, he didn't arrive in the condition to train in sessions and to play. Yeah. Is that like, I'm not you know I'm not surprised that a manager would look at something like that because of course managers obsess about the player's physical state, but is it unusual for a city manager for, for the city manager to do that? I vaguely remember him saying something about Samir Nasri and when he took over in 2016, but it seems kind of it struck me a little bit that Guardiola would choose to make that comment public rather than just to keep it in house. Yeah, what do you think? Absolutely. That was the key sign. That was that was one of the key signs. Because up until that point, you think, well, he's had shoulder surgery. He's not played too much before that, but he's a new sign-in. He's had surgery. They kept him out for, what, two or three months, then the World Cup. So nobody was looking, thinking, Phillips hasn't done much. It was just normal, unlucky, fair enough. And then Guardiola says that. You think, oh, okay. What's he done to annoy him then? Because Guardiola's very good at... Normally, like if you if you go into a press conference... It's, it's, a, it's a tap-in for the manager. If somebody's played well, he always used to do it with Leroy Sane, for example. You say, oh, like, Sane was great today. Like, it, could this be his season or whatever? But it always flipped the switch and go, you know what? He needs to he needs to do this, this, and this, and his attitude needs to be better. And you think, oh, okay. And then the next week, you'll go into a press conference and go, what was it about Sane's attitude that needs to improve? And he goes, look, we've got no doubts about Leroy. And it's like, he'll only do it when it suits him. But he was very much sending a message. And look, as far as I know, I think at least one of the City players, like a high-profile City player, also came back overweight. Guardiola didn't have any concerns about him. He probably thought, well, he'll get up to it straight away. But there was lingering concerns that Guardiola already had. And he thought, I need to nip this in the bud. I need to get this guy up to our level quickly. And it's one of those where Phillips never really did much wrong. I think a lot of the players who were in the England team who weren't starting, they came back in not great shape because the training was very much geared on the, the first 11 and the starting players. The other ones were more, you know, defending at set pieces, that kind of thing. So they weren't especially sharp. They didn't come back in great shape. But Phillips didn't do anything especially wrong because City players were given time off after the World Cup. They were given a date they had to come back by. Phillips came back on the right date. He took some time off beforehand, came back on time, a little bit overweight. But the problem was, and I think this is something that City realised, I think people on, like around Phillips realised too, other City players had maybe realised they weren't in great shape. They'd come back sooner. And, you know, players like Laporte, for example... Phillips is a great guy in the dressing room. He never gave Guardiola, despite this massive lack of playing time, he never gave him a minute's hassle about that. But if Laporte was out of the team for one game, if Mahrez was out of the team for one game, they'd be moaning about it. And Guardiola genuinely appreciates and likes Calvin Phillips for that. But by the same token, Laporte came back early to do that extra training. And I think there was a bit of a, a thing that Phillips needs to realise. This is the level now. He wasn't back late. He didn't do anything necessarily wrong. But 
you're at City now. You need to step up. You need to go to the next level. That stereotypical thing about all the, you know, those first one in and last one out of training. City got about five of those guys. He, he needed to get up to that level. And when it came to pre-season, he did come back early. He did do extra work with the trainer. The message did go in. But again, then we go back to the start and it was ultimately about the quality. But there was a little bit of that as well. And that's why Guardiola made it public when he didn't with others. And there's plenty of other things as well, which he will keep behind closed doors in-house. But when he's got a little message to send, he will do it. And obviously, what, a month after that was when City beat Spurs and he came out with that happy flower stuff because he'd been saying behind the scenes for months, you need to do this, you need to do this. And they weren't listening. So he thought, well, I need to go public with it. And I think it's similar with Phillips. It's funny listening to this because actually it's almost confusing in the sense that what went on at Leeds with Bielsa should have set Phillips up perfectly for that type of regime. Bielsa loved Phillips. I mean, really, really loved him. He once told him that if one of his daughters had to marry a footballer, he'd be quite happy if it was Calvin. Bielsa was famous for, and is famous for never getting close to players. You know, keeps them at, at arm's length. It's it's how, how he deals with them. But if you go back to the start of Bielsa's last season, Phillips' last season at Leeds, 21-22, you'll find that Phillips, post-Euros, spent a bit of time out of the team. And it was the same sort of thing, trying to get him back into the condition that Bielsa wanted him to be to be in. I mean, again, there's a, a famous story of a charity golf day that somebody had paid four figures for to play golf with, with Phillips on a Sunday morning. Got to the golf course to find that Phillips wasn't there because he'd been dragged in for extra running, you know, extra running sessions at, at Thorpe Arch to get himself in shape. So I can't imagine that what went on at City was a, a real shock to the system. And it sounds a little bit like it's a kind of accumulation of, of factors, but and Sam might might disagree with this, but it does feel more and more when you listen to it, like it come, comes back to the fact that for Guardiola, he just wasn't ticking the boxes. And I imagine that was probably more than anything, that must have been technical. Yeah, technical. I, I do think a little bit attitude. But again, it's difficult to sum up because he's not got a bad attitude whatsoever, but it's just the standards. Look, they won the treble last year. You don't just do it by being good at football. You need extra no. ingredients as well. And, you know, Phillips is very good at football. He's a very good professional. Maybe just not quite that. But like I say, when he goes, to, if he were to go to West Ham, look, if he were to go to JPB, might disagree. But Spurs, for example, I don't see him having an issue at a top team, England even. But, you know, at City, it is just the next level. And I know I'm the City correspondent and people are going to see, say you would you would think good of them. But they just won the treble. You know, they won five out of six Premier League titles. You, are, you need to be at a huge level here. And that's just what it is. I was watching something recently. You talked about having a hard time at uh, City and having to call Bielsa just to get that confidence back. And I wonder if there is a little bit of that because, you know, we're still dealing with human beings at the end of the day where you feel like nurtured in one place and then you sort of feel a bit isolated in the other just based on, can I talk to the manager? Can I have a chat with him? Does he make me feel confident about myself? You know, he has spoken about lacking confidence at certain points in his career. And perhaps that step up to City where it's probably a bit more of a corporate environment in that respect, just did suit his personality. Yeah, I, I got the sense from speaking to people who'd know him that as time went on at City, he'd, he'd gone there very respectful of the club he was joining. And I think, like Sam said, aware of the fact that it wasn't going to be games every week. But I think as time went on, there was a certain degree of, I don't know if you could call it embarrassment or humiliation or whatever else, but I think professionally, he knew it wasn't a great look to be there on, on what is a, a very big contract with a team who win an awful lot and, and you know, at, at a place where he is picking up medals and barely kicking a ball. You know, I think he started to feel as time went on that it, that it wasn't right for him and he, and he did need to go somewhere else. He's a lovely guy, is Phillips. I mean, everybody likes him. He's genuinely popular, really, really good company. Kind of salt of the earth and I think that probably touches quite a lot on both his family background but also the fact that he wasn't in the academy system um, from a really early age. That's no smear on the other kids at Leeds. Leeds are actually very, very good at educating the kids that go through it and, and bringing out mature players at the other side of it. 
But he was just a, a very ordinary guy. Extremely laid back, without a doubt. I remember his old academy coach, Neil Redfern, saying that he'd, he'd said to him once, when I see you walk, you sort of walk from side to side rather than walking straight forward. Everything needs to be, you know, you need to, you, you need to look like you're going for things. You need to have that, <laughs> mindset, you know, yeah. of being, being kind of lateral. But at the same time, the career he's built is is very, very impressive given the standing start he, he was at. And I know that when it, it was City, the reason he went to, he met with Andrea Radrazani, the old Leeds owner, on a yacht near Ibiza and told him, I want to go. And the reason was because that was the moment, you know, that was the move. And I think there was a certain amount of doubt about, is he actually going to be good enough for that level? Because it, it is the, the best of the best. But it felt like the right move to me. I, I thought it would work. I thought, given the, the price of players generally, 45 million might look like decent value for him, um, but not as it turns out. Yeah. Jack, in terms of obviously heading to West Ham, and I know... We've written that, you know, David Moyes has been a, a fan of Phillips for, for, for a while. This feels like a, a wonderful fit in terms of both personnel and, and, and I guess the profile of the team as well. Yeah, I think so. I think West, like, I think West Ham have done really well this season with the resources they've got. But to me, it always looks like their, their team's really thin. Like, I mean, the, the recruitment has been mixed. Obviously, Kudas has come in and done brilliantly, but I think they're still probably a few players short in terms of depth. Um, and if you particularly look at the middle of the pitch, Ward-Prowse has come in and done really, really well. Suchek, they've had for a while, has been very consistent. Alvarez is kind of fine. But there's not an awful lot of energy, I think, in those three. And I think they definitely look like they need an extra body who can come in, hit the ground running, because they know the Premier League, like Phillips does, but give them a little bit more physical energy and dynamism in the middle of the pitch, because they can look a little bit... I mean, except for when they get the ball to Kudus and Bauer, and they can look a little bit one-paced West Ham. I think that, though, the, the physicality combined with what Phillips does well on the ball, which is switches of play, long diagonals and everything else, should be tailor-made for Phillips' time. I mean, it can't be a coincidence reading Shane Thomas's piece earlier this week and him talking in there about the fact that Moyes had identified Phillips way back when he was out of work, you know, as a player he, he might go after later in his career. It can't be a coincidence that. And and you, you would assume that on the basis of what Moyes has, has seen and, and identified in him, that he and West Ham should be a pretty good fit. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolev. Gareth Southgate, I think he trusts certain players a lot and I think that England haven't got unbelievable options in the centre and midfield, they haven't. So, yeah, I think that this could work well for all parties, including obviously our country as well. Definitely a manager that has backed him um, a lot for for the country is Gareth Southgate. Um, We spoke about it earlier, you know, named England Player of the Year uh, for 2021 following the Euros of 2020 performances. Uh, Jack, you have to think on a shrewd sense, if he's to stand a chance of getting into this Euro squad, he needs to be playing football. Well, you'd think so. But then he has continued to play for England. He was in the England squad in September. He started the game in Scotland away. He was in the England squad in October. In the England squad in November. Started away at North Macedonia. So Southgate has been really loyal. Like Southgate is incredibly loyal to the players who he feels have always delivered for him and never let him down. We've seen this in recent years because look how long he's stuck with, say, Harry Maguire. When Maguire wasn't getting a game for Manchester United, Southgate stuck with him. Not anymore, but he stuck for a long time with Raheem Sterling when lots of people were calling for Sterling to be dropped. And so if you continue to, to perform well for Gareth Southgate, and if Southgate thinks you're an important part of the group, both on and off the pitch, then Southgate will be loyal to you. So in that sense... I think it's arguable that maybe Phillips didn't even need to move for the sake of the Euros. That said, obviously it will you know it'll stand him a good stead if he is actually playing week in week out for West Ham or even playing a bit for West Ham because the you know it's it's going to be better for him to be playing football rather than not playing football at Manchester City. Phil, you alluded to it earlier and it just got me thinking about him having to play football because he's a player who's been at Manchester City incredibly decorated as well. <laughs> Champions League, uh, you think of the league titles as well but hasn't played much. I mean, how important would it then be to, to actually be part of something, you know, like regardless of where, where West Ham finished this season, to actually be, be part of something and say, yeah, I've got my medals, but actually I've played some bloody football. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Jack's probably right, though. Southgate does seem very wedded to the players who've, who've played well for him previously and, and the players who he, he likes and trusts. And I almost feel that for as long as Jordan Henderson is, is getting into the England squad, you, you suspect that Calvin Phillips will be comfortably... In there too. I mean, admittedly, it is different for Henderson now that he's gone to to Ajax. But when he was out in Saudi, you know, I think by his own admission, on the basis that he's he's packed that in already, clearly not the sort of level that makes him think he's he's going to thrive in his his later years. He was still getting into the England squad, and I think I think the fact that he was getting booed was less to do with the moral panic of Saudi than it was to do with the fact that, that Southgate was still leaning on this aging warhorse. War and and that is kind of how Southgate tends to be. He, he has these players that he likes that have done good service for him, and, and he's he seems pretty loath to, to move on from. And I think he'll realise that in the system he plays, that Phillips can do still do good things for him. And I think be very surprised if Phillips doesn't go to, to the Euros. But we are kind of in that era at the moment too of, I guess, hybrid fullbacks who can play in midfield as well. And it is increasing the competition. And I guess if you're Phillips, there's probably only so long that you can sit not playing and saying to yourself, yeah, it's fine, I'll get an England squad regardless, it doesn't matter. Because if you don't play enough, the day always comes, doesn't it? Yeah, Phil, I just wanted to say you make a good point, obviously, about fullbacks going into midfield. But I think one of the one of the key reasons that both he and Henderson have been around it, as well as Southgate's loyalty, there's not a huge amount of alternatives, are there? You know, if, if there was somebody in there, let's say if Bellingham played a bit deeper and he was the man there and you'd play Foden as like more of the number 10, then 
you could see the midfield moving on, but the midfield hasn't really moved on, has it? And so I think that's left the door slightly open for Phillips and Henderson, despite their less than ideal circumstances. And yeah, like you say, if they've still been in the squads recently, as JPB outlined. I think what you'd say is he's probably picked the right time to go. Needed to give it 18 months at City to see if it was going to work. Because if it does work there, then that's where you want to be. But I think there's got to be a line in the sand at some point. And, and this is it. I mean, he clearly isn't going to play much at City or wasn't going to play much at City in the second half of the season. So you have to you have to send the right messages, I think, don't you? You have to look like you actually want to be playing as opposed to sitting in the background. And, and the timing's right. Also, I think I think Phillips, even though Southgate has been really, really loyal to Phillips, I do think Phillips's position in the squad is probably under more threat than it was six months ago or maybe 12 months ago, simply because in the last few months we've seen and he's, as you mentioned, Alexander-Arnold coming into midfield, which he's never done for England before. We've seen Conor Gallagher doing I think, better at Chelsea than people would have expected, and yeah, he's been more of a regular feature for England recently. And I think he, yeah, he might well feel that he's got a he's got a claim to start or at least be part of the squad for the Euros. Madison playing fantastically well in a midfield three, you know, not playing as a ten for Tottenham. He's playing in a midfield. He's playing in midfield. Guardiola finally using Foden in central position. This season, maybe a little bit further forward than some of these other guys, but he's playing centrally as well. And Southgate's always... I've always got the impression with Southgate that he was reluctant to use Foden centrally until Guardiola did. But now that Guardiola is, then maybe maybe that changes the thinking there. And so there's kind of there are more players who can play in that midfield three, along with Rice and Bellingham, than there were six or 12 months ago. I just wonder whether there might be a voice in the back of Phillips' mind saying... You've got more competition on your hands to be on that flight to Germany on the 10th of June than you might have done a year ago. I was just thinking, Jack, he's quite surprised how different the trajectories of maybe someone in that similar position, Declan Rice and, and Phillips, have been so different. You'd have expected them to both sort of push on in the same way, whilst Rice, obviously, we've seen at Arsenal right now, you know, one of the best in his position. And Phillips has kind of stalled a little bit in that respect. Yeah, so Rice only... Rice only came into the England team about a year before Phillips. So we really started seeing Rice in 2019 and then Phillips. So I think, I mean, Phil might know more than me on this. I think Phillips was going to be in the England squad just before COVID. So the March 2020 international break, which never happened in the end. Southgate was going to bring him in, even though Leeds were still in the championship at that point. Uh, And then he had to wait until those kind of ridiculous empty stadium games in September, October 2020 where the players were clearly out of nick and they were just you know playing games for the sake of it when Phillips finally came in the team and then you got to Euro 2020 and obviously it was Rice and Phillips together and lots of lots of fans didn't like that but in fact it worked it worked very effectively throughout the throughout the course of of the tournament they started all seven games together Rice and Phillips and it's only really been I think what another thing which we've got to mention here is the the rise and rise of Jude Bellingham you know, Bellingham, you know, in Euro 2020, right, Phillips was preferred to Bellingham. And it was only really, so England had a game in Munich in June 2022, a Nations League game. Phillips started ahead of Bellingham. Phillips got injured after 10 minutes. Bellingham came on. And Bellingham's never really, you know, it's been, Bellingham, I think, has probably started every serious game for England, England since then. So in that sense, Phillips has been maybe a bit unlucky. But I do think you're right that if you look at that, those kind of different pathways of Rice, and Phillips, I mean, I do think Rice is fundamentally a better player, for one. But I also think Rice has probably made better decisions about his club football in the sense he stayed at West Ham. You know, he kind of had this long-term contract at West Ham, stayed there for quite a while, probably longer than some people would have expected him to. But he, 
you know, cemented his place as being West Ham's most important player, became club captain, won a European trophy. And then finally he left and he went to Arsenal, where again, he's a really, really, really important player. Whereas Phillips, you feel like when he did leave, he didn't quite get the move right. In comparison to Phillips, Declan Rice also stepped forward at a slightly younger age. You know, so there's not a huge gap between them, but Rice does have three years on Phillips in the sense of being three years younger. And I think, I mean, Phillips was one of those players who was when he was in the Championship, was tempting Southgate to break that. Kind of not unbreakable, but fairly strict rule he had of not picking players below the Premier League. Phillips kind of, you know, a little bit like like Grealish had done. Um, it was just, you know, it was too tempting not to not to have a look. So for a while, there was this discussion about, you know, is Phillips better than Rice? Who's going to go on to be the better player? But when you actually looked at it, with Phillips, you were talking about a player who was already 25, 26 with Rice, you were talking about somebody who was at exactly the same level. Um, some people would have said playing better, um, other people playing same, playing worse, but was younger. Um, it was a much earlier stage of, of his career. And when you look back at it now with hindsight, it's not a big surprise that it looks like Rice will go on to bigger things. Yeah, I just wanted to say it's funny, actually, in terms of transfers and Rice and Phillips and picking their moves and stuff. And what I was saying earlier about City, they wouldn't go for like a true many character who could come in for big money and expect to play because they want Rodri to play the whole time. They don't want to upset the apple cart, the balance of the squad. And they didn't want to spend big money on that that kind of position either. But they would spend big money on somebody who can play a bit further forward in midfield and hold in midfield, like Gundogan, for example. And they would have done that with Rice. That was where the Rice interest came in, but where it kind of founded, apart from the fact they didn't want to get into a bidding war with Arsenal, Rice wanted to play as the holding midfielder more often. Whereas City were like, well, if you could come in, you could play next to Rodri, you can make those runs forward into the box and you can do that. And then when Rodri's not there, you can play holding midfielder. And he's like, well, I want to play holding midfielder. And that's the issue they've got with Rice in the summer, but also generally speaking, because if they can find another player who can do both, great. But they don't want to go and spend big money on somebody who can only play in Rodri's position because they've already got him. But then they haven't got anybody, not just Phillips. Kovacic can't do it. Stones can't really do it. He can go into midfield, but he can't really stay there. Um, Nunes can't do it. All these midfielders they've got, Bernardo can't do it on his own. Nobody can do what Rodri does. And it, it's given them a bit of a problem. And we've kind of seen that with Phillips just to kind of bring us full circle. Yeah. Well, whilst we're on City, actually, uh, Sam, I've just heard that as we're recording this, City have announced the signing of uh, Claudio Echeverri from River Plate. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. The thing is, if you look at it, so he's coming from River Plate in January, um, similar fee to Julian Alvarez. He's going back to River Plate on loan. And then obviously Alvarez came over, started really well. Pep put him straight in the first team, won the World Cup. Everyone knows you know, how talented he is. So people might be thinking the same. Echeverry, he started one proper game for River Senior Team. He's only just turned 18 at the start of this month. Alvarez has played like 150 games for River Plate. Uh, you know, he was part of the squad that won the Libertadores when that game was moved to, to Madrid against Boca. He was much more experienced. And I mean, from what I've seen, I sat down and watched a lot of clips of him. He's obviously talented, but nowhere near City level at the moment. I think once he does finish that loan at River Plate, which is for the whole of 2024, so taking it up to when he's 19, he may then, you know, potentially go on loan to Girona, City's sister club, um, if that's still allowed. But, you know, if he were to come to City now, I don't think he'd be as good as or as suitable as, if we're talking about types of player like Phillips earlier, as good as some of the players they've already got in the EDS because they've been playing that City way forever. I think they are more rounded than Echeverry, but they've obviously decided to spend £12.5 million initially plus add-ons. So they know he's good. He does look good, but he is very raw. So I wouldn't be expecting to see him in a City team anytime soon. Possibly ever, but certainly soon. 
Nice one. Well, if like Sam, you can go on obviously online and, and look at videos or you can look at the profile we have on Echeverry on The Athletic and it's available to read right now. Gents, we'll have to end it there, but thanks so much for your time, Sam, Phil and Jack as well. And please make sure you leave us a little rating and review wherever you are listening from. And also remember that you can subscribe to The Athletic today for just £2 or $2 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you all so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beale. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great Athletic Football Podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.